Praise the Lord, church. I'm so grateful to Pastor Don and Miss Amy for this opportunity to come and share with us today. It's always such a joy and privilege that's welcomed with fear and trembling. I'm believing for the Lord to speak to us as we continue with this series, Mirrors. Let's start off by reading our key scripture from Philippians 1, 27 and 28 in the ESV. It says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. We are talking about the mirrors that we look into and use to adjust our lives. The mirrors of friends, people we admire, the culture around us, conversations we have, social media, family, all these serve as mirrors intentionally or not that we look into and use to shape our lives. They shape how we dress, how we think, how we make decisions, what we do and where we go, even how we talk. And then we've been talking about the one mirror, the word of God, that if we are believers, we should be looking into constantly and intently so we can adjust our lives to it. Accomplishing that requires a resistance to the spirit of the age that wants to show us every other kind of mirror except and away from the word of God. The psalmist realizes this danger and cries out in Psalm 119 verse 9 and 10, How can a young person live a clean life? By carefully reading the map of your word. And in verse 5 and 6 of the same scripture, he says in the NLT, Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I would not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. When we look into the mirror that is God's word, we are kept from shame because it's a good flat mirror that shows you the reality of things. So you're able to adjust and go out looking the best. The long and short of it is, saints, if I want to live a life that's worthy of the gospel of Christ. If I want to stand firm on the rock that is Jesus Christ, if I want to be of one mind and of one spirit as we heard last week, then I must make the mirror that is God's word my friend. It must be my constant companion, the thing that I carry around and look into over and over again. Now today, we are considering the portion of the scripture that says, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That phrase side by side that's used there, it means together. It means linked, to wrestle in company with. It means to seek jointly, to labor with. It means to strive together by association, companionship, process, and resemblance. This is how we are to contend for the faith. We are to wrestle in company with one another. We are to be in companionship and association, going through the process together, and we are to resemble one another. Now, our being side by side is not accidental. From the beginning, God made it so that we would need each other to thrive and survive in this walk of faith. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 1.5 that it pleased God to invite us into his family as believers what happens when we accept the call of salvation is that we are adopted into this family of God. We join a band of brothers and sisters who we are now to walk together with. More specifically, this family is the local church where you've been planted. For us, that's NLC. 
The Bible also paints the picture of an army. Our key scripture in the Amplified says, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit and one purpose with one mind, striving side by side as if in combat. When we come to Christ, we are joining an army. And one thing anyone in the army will tell you is that there are no lone rangers there. We are in combat together, side by side. That is the image that the word of God shows us. Conversely, everywhere we look, we see the carved mirror of broken relationships, broken families, broken marriages. We see our generation's preference for surface interactions and a self-centered approach to life. And we see it becoming the main thing. Some of us have become convinced, especially in this season, that we don't need anybody. And that's a lie from the enemy. He likes to isolate us so that we are easy fodder for his distraction. The church was never meant to be a bunch of individuals floating around on their own. We are all part of the body, family joined together. We've been planted in this house that is NLC, in this family. We are like building stones that are joined together. That's why when people pull away, there's damage to the building. We are to be side by side in our ministries, in our cell groups, in our marriages, in our friendships, in our families, and across our different generations. Our destiny as a people of God is in our connections with one another. Now, I love what Ms. Rosie said last week. This is not to mean that we have some unhealthy dependence on one another and eschew the personal responsibility each of us has. No, we each do our part in the tent. And when we come together, we are a strong unit. Church, we must look in the mirror of the word and ask ourselves, how do our connections line up with what God is expecting of us? What thoughts have we settled on where walking with one another is concerned? Granted, like every family, the church has its fractures. Distorted by life, our mirrors aren't flat. But God's design is that we are to be walking linked together. So let's be renewed as we examine how the mirror of his word says we are to do this. Number one, be with one another. This seems so basic and yet is critical to our standing side by side. Paul urges us in 2 Timothy 2.22, enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Whose company are you keeping? Who are you hanging out with? It's impossible to head towards a love for Jesus when those around us have the opposite desire. It's hard for us to have a passion for serving God when no one else around us does. It's almost impossible for us to make wise, godly decisions when those we are with are anything but godly. Proverbs 13 says, if you want to grow in wisdom, spend time with the wise, walk with the wicked, and you'll eventually become just like them. As believers, we must cherish the company of fellow believers. We are meant to be with one another in the good times, in the bad times. We do life together. We go through stuff together. We form lifelong bonds as a result of being with one another through the highs and the lows of life. That's why we do church the way we do it at NLC. I think about my own cell and this man that we've grown with. We started off together in high school and then college, and then we are working now. Some of us have families of our own. Nothing can replace that. I think about the spaces of serving that we have, being part of the dance team of City Lights, serving at Third Thursday. These are communities and these communities give life because guess what? Our salvation is a community project. 
Hebrews 10, 25 in the Passion highlights this saying, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. This is not the time. It goes on, in fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. Now, obviously, this may look a little different during these COVID times, but the point is this, find creative ways to hang out, call, talk, spend time, think up ideas of fun things to do together. The aim is to develop and to grow the joy that is found in being with one another. When we are together, life is seen in its true colors, standards are demonstrated and upheld, values are taught and lived out, and the light of godly conduct shines out from among us. Oh, I pray for us, church, that we are renewed in our desire to be with God's people, to love and enjoy the companionship of the godly. Secondly, love one another. Romans 12, 10 in the New Living says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring one another. As believers, being side by side means we love one another and demonstrate that love before watching world. In fact, Jesus tells his disciples in John 13 that your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Our love for each other is a testimony. It's a reflection of the light of Christ. So be intentional, be consistent, and be loud with your love, with your affection and honor for one another. And what does love mean? Love is kind. Love is patient. Love is not jealous of one another. To the contrary, we delight in honoring. We serve each other. In our family at NLC, we show love by serving. We wash the dishes and clean the house. Love is not irritable. Love keeps no records of wrongs. It never gives up. It never loses faith, never loses hope. That is the, what the mirror shows us, and that is to be our outlook toward fellow believers. Number three, forgive one another. Colossians 3.13 says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Forgiveness is hard. <laughs> People can hurt us intentionally or not. Someone looked at me a certain way, did something I didn't expect or didn't do something I expected. You can get hurt badly, even in the house of God. More often than not, in fact, our disconnection is rooted in offense with one another, whether directly or inherited from others, because we can inherit offense as well. Nevertheless, the mirror shows us that in this family, in this reality of being side by side, forgiveness is key to our continued operation. The disciples asked Jesus this difficult question. I mean, they hadn't even been with each other for long before they realized, how am I going to keep up with these guys? And they come to Jesus and ask him, Lord, how many times do we have to forgive? And his answer was to put the number of times we must forgive beyond accomplishment so that we would know that we must always, always do it. Now, obviously, when someone wrongs us, restitution is needed as well. The problem, though, with most of us is that we would rather keep our offense and disconnect rather than confront it so that it can be dealt with and we can forgive and be healed. Now, Paul helps us in this scripture with two important considerations. The first part says that we are to make allowance for each other's faults. That means we must be willing to work with people's quirks and imperfections because they mirror our own. 
humility, gentleness, and patience are required to enable us to make allowances for each other. The second part of the exhortation in Colossians 3 invokes the forgiveness that we've received from the Lord. And this is why. It's so that we can look at offense through the mirror of the perfection of God forgiving us despite being fully aware of all our shortcomings. Church, the more we forget what we've been forgiven, the harder we are towards those who wrong us. The more the cross fades away from view, the more we are prone to offend and to be offended. When you grow in forgiving offense, you'll realize that it's a lot easier to walk side by side in the house of God. And finally, number four, help one another. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 to 10 in the New Living says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. As we all know, the Christian walk is not always up and up. We are side by side so we can be of help to one another. And that way, we can all succeed. And what are we helping each other to do? To align to the mirror of God's word. No matter how awesome we are, we all need help from time to time. And we should find it in the family of God. Paul picks up this thought in his letter to the Galatians in the sixth chapter and says, Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Our philosophy here at NLC should be like that of the army. We leave no man behind. We must do everything in our power to lift each other up and hold each other's hands as we walk through this salvation. When one of us is in pain, we feel it. When one of us is down, we all work toward getting them back up. When one of us is lost, we are in the search party until they are found. This is the posture of those standing side by side. We help by praying for one another. We help by offering encouragement, even more so in these days that are so difficult for so many of us. We help by calling each other out when it's needed. When one of us is making ungodly choices, we don't just go along because we are their friend. Helping here means showing them what the mirror says. We are to spur each other on toward good works. So let's learn, church, to be with one another. Love one another. Be quick to forgive one another and to be there to help each other. Let us pray. Father, we come to you today in need of your help. We desire to live this life that's worthy of the gospel. And as the world gets darker and darker, we must stand side by side to reflect your light. Oh, help us by your Holy Spirit to invest in being with one another. Help us to love like you loved us. Teach us to be quick to forgive and to make allowance. May we be on the ready to help one another. I pray for those of us, Lord, who may have been hurt, disconnected, that Lord, you would draw us back Help us to see that we are critical blocks, that we belong in your family, with your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.